Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any info on our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Uh, last week, I talked about the um, prayer and fasting. We started talking about fasting specifically. And I looked at our call to fast. I'll just briefly do that, just in case you weren't here. Uh, I, and, and basically, just summarize that, Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. Now, does that mean this is a command from God, thou must fast? The answer is no. It's not a command, but it is assumed that you would. So it, it wasn't you know, a moral law that, that everyone must fast. Don't, don't see it that way. It's not legalism. Um, but he did assume... He assumed that you'd want to fast, especially if you understood its purposes. And, uh, and that's what we looked at next, was the purposes of fasting, the three big ones, express longing and desire for Jesus' return and for his will to be done on the earth. And I already know people that reported that that's, that was the top thing that they were fasting for already as they started this year. Um, and I'm pumped to see that. We're joining Anna. Anna did that too, praying for the first coming. We're now getting to join, join those from, from old. And uh, we're going to pray for the, the return of the king, which is incredible. And then to humble ourselves underneath God and to express sorrow for sin and repent from any areas where we're living duplicitously. So that was the main purposes of fasting. I looked at five other ones as well. We didn't spend a lot of time on them. Um, but that's what we did, laying the foundation for why we should fast and the purposes and how we're going to approach it. Today, uh, we want to look at uh, prayer. But just quickly, as, as you're going into this fasting, maybe you know, we're approaching the, the, uh, the church-wide uh, fasting time and you're wondering, well, I can't really do a food fast for X and X and X reasons. There's no judgment coming from me on that, if you can't, okay? Uh, but maybe there's other things you can do, like a media fast. And remember, one of the things with fasting is we're fasting from the things that our soul and our body is feeding on to find life, saying that Jesus, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from your mouth. We're saying you are the true source of life. That's what we're doing with a fast. Now, I think in our day and age, um, there's other things other than just food that we go to for our source of life. And so maybe media, media is a big issue in our culture. I'm not saying it's all bad. There's a lot of good things with media. But I would invite you then, if you can't do a food fast, or if you're doing a food fast, to consider also doing a media fast. I think if they had media back when the Bible was written, they probably would have talked about <laughs> food and media fast as well. Because media not only feeds the soul, it also takes a lot more time uh, than just simply eating some food. So if you're looking for margin in your life to add prayer, to add time in the word, to add service, or trying to grow in love for someone, uh, media is often a good place to start chipping away to find extra time. So I would encourage that. Again, not saying media is bad. Uh, I think I confessed last week, I have a projector in my basement. Uh, we watch on a big 120-inch screen. And uh, you don't have to judge me for that. I'm not against media. I have a phone. I like my phone. It's, uh, it's very neat and gadgety. I like the gizmos on there. Um, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not talking about bad or good. I'm talking about fasting from even the good things, putting them aside for a moment of time so we can focus on the best things. Right? Okay. So with that, let's pray. Jesus, we're going to be, uh, we, get the, we get to fast. We get to pray. What an honor. Thank you for these wonderful disciplines that we get to engage in and we get to, uh, and we get to participate in. We get to. So thank you for that. We thank you that not, not only do we get to these disciplines, but as we align ourselves with your will, we also get to have the honor of your Holy Spirit empowering us and dwelling within us and moving us to work, to do greater things. What an honor. 
What a privilege it is to follow you. And today, Lord, as we go into talking on the prayer side of things, would you awaken something in us? Would you make prayer practical and easy and obtainable and accessible so that we would be able to leave here encouraged to pray more? In Jesus' name, amen. So I was going to talk intercession and warfare uh, this weekend and Thursday morning the Holy Spirit totally shifted direction, which is fine, because I thought, you know, before we talk about intercession and warfare, which are types of prayer, I wanted to lay a foundation for what is the purpose of prayer? What is the primary purpose of prayer? And I'm very, uh, very passionate about that. And that turned into actually just how do we pray effectively, which affects all types of prayer. <laughs> so it's a very basic message I have for you today, but I'm hoping that you're encouraged. But to begin, I want to lay that foundation. So what is the primary purpose of prayer? So, years ago, I met with a woman, a young woman, and she was about to have a surgery that, that uh, she was very afraid of. So she was terrified for this upcoming surgery, didn't really want to talk about it, but she was willing to talk at this moment in time. So, you know, I asked her a little bit about it, and, and it was, you know, it was obviously gnawing at her, and I asked her if I could ask her, you know, a series of questions. She, was, she seemed comfortable with that, and she said she'd even prayed about it. Wow, I thought, oh, that's good. I mean, isn't it good to pray? Absolutely, it's good to pray. So I, I, okay, so you prayed about it. How did that go? Well, I prayed and, and I even listened in prayer and I even heard God speak. Now, problem solved, right? I mean, what more am I going to offer if you've already prayed and already heard God speak? <laughs> I mean, because that's really all that matters. Yet, to this young woman, it didn't seem to change her fear and anxiety. And I think there's many in here that can relate to that. Times when you've gone to God in prayer and you've even heard him speak where you, you may feel exactly the same coming out. In some cases, you may have even felt worse coming out. I've had that where you bring, I'm really anxious or stressed and I bring a list to him of things that are bothering me and as I'm writing them down because I've been in a pattern of running from them. Now, even just the idea of writing them down and listing them off made it become so real and alive, I could hear God, but I actually left the prayer time more stressed than going in. And, and that that's, was her experience at this moment. So I said, okay, I understand that. You didn't do anything wrong. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, so I said, can I ask you a couple of questions that, that are going to lead to something, but bear with me? And she kind of smiled and said, yes. Uh, I would do that anyways. I would have asked the questions anyways because I was on to, a, I was on to something. And, but she agreed to it. She agreed to it, right? So anyways, first question was, so... Now, you're going into the surgery, you're going to be in this room, it's terrifying. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, what if somebody came with you? Do you think that would help? Like if you had someone with you in your surgery there when you woke up, would that make it better? And she thought, well, maybe that might help. So I said, okay, let's give you three examples, three, three different scenarios here. Let's see what helps and what doesn't. So let's say person A comes in with you, total stranger. They're offering to come with you into the surgery room. They're going to be with you when you wake up. Does that help? And she gave me a very fast, nope, <laughs> doesn't help. I said, okay, not a bad answer. I don't know that it would help me either. Right? Total stranger. You don't know them. I said, okay, next scenario. Not a total stranger, not your best friend, someone you know, you've been with them before. Maybe it's a family friend. Maybe it's a relative that you don't, but they're not, you're not together all the time. Maybe it's a cousin or something, but you know them. Like you have some history with them, you know them, but you don't know them intimately, right? Well, that one, she was like, well, no, still wouldn't help. This is too big of a scenario. We're not talking, we're not talking like a, a, you know, a test in school. We're not talking about a small thing. This is a big area of fear. And so that still wouldn't help. 
And I thought, well, that's, that's totally fair. That's not a bad answer. So I gave her the last scenario. And the last scenario was, how about if, you know, because she has a good relationship with her parents. So if they didn't have a good relationship with the parents, this would work. But in this case, there is a good relationship there. So I said, how about if your parents or a best friend, your very best friend, how about if they came in to that surgery room with you and promised to stay with you until you woke up? Would that help? And it was an immediate yes. Well, many of you in here are thinking, well, yeah, duh, this all makes sense. But, I, and I said to her, so what is the difference between the three scenarios? She's like, well, I don't know. It just, it's different. It clearly is different. And I said, well, let's look at all the pieces as they are to see if there's a logical reason, right? I mean, in each scenario, you have a living, breathing human being. Check. One, two, three, in all scenarios, living, breathing human being. In each scenario, you're not alone. In each scenario, you're not alone. So in each scenario, you actually have somebody with you, and not only that, you have somebody with you that is promising to stay with you through the time of surgery, to even, to, and, uh, even as far as to be there when you wake up. So when you look at just the pieces that are involved, those pieces anyways, you have the same pieces in all three scenarios. And yet clearly we all know intuitively, it's obvious that there's clearly something different from scenario one, two to three. And that difference is relationship. And what makes the third one so, so much better than even the second one, it's not just relationships, it's depth of relationship. So when you have depth of relationship, there is something about that depth. And what is it? I'll give you a word, it's experience. When you have an experiential depth in your relationship, you know, someone that you've cried with and laughed with, someone that you have maybe even fought with, uh, had good times and bad times, but you've, you've been through the fire. You know, you've been through the rainy days and the sunny days, you've been through that, and you're still together. When, when you have those kind of relationships in your time of need, those are the kind of relationships that give you strength. And we all know that intuitively. And that leads me into what I, what I shared with her then is, I think this is where many Christians sell themselves or cut the, cut the legs out from underneath them. Because what they want to do is they want to pray to God in their time of need. And they even learn things like hearing God. And they think, well, I heard him speak and it didn't do a difference. Well, that's like hearing a stranger speak. Or maybe he's not a stranger. Maybe he's an acquaintance. Someone that you meet with somewhat regularly, but you don't know very well. And, and you can, it's, we, always, we always dumb it down to it's just about belief. It's not just about belief. I actually think it's very rational and logical to believe in God. I would have a harder time not believing in him than believing in him. I think what, what, what usually causes us to lose strength in our walk is actually about our, our understanding, our knowledge of who he is. It's not do we believe in him, it's do we know him. And, and that's exactly my point here, because if you don't know him, when you're crying out to him, he, you may even hear a word like, I love you and I'm with you, but you know what you still feel? Unloved and alone. And it's not the hearing that's broken, it's the depth of relationship, it's the experiential depth of relationship. And that's why I wanted to look at the primary purpose of prayer, because I think if we get off, if it becomes about getting what I want, if you miss that purpose, I, I think that's when prayer gets weird. We end up praying out of fear and anxiety. We avoid prayer due to guilt, dryness, fear, fear of even what we're going to hear, so on and so forth. So the primary purpose of prayer is to know God. 
to know God and then to align ourselves with his purposes. Okay? So the primary purpose of prayer is to know God, experiential knowing of God, and then to align ourselves with his purposes. Obviously, those two go hand in hand. It's not just knowing about him and knowing who he is. We actually have to then surrender and submit underneath his purposes. That's the primary purpose of prayer. Prayer is the primary means by which we get to know God. Now, obviously, it's not the only thing we do, but that's where it all begins, prayer. So prayer becomes, you know, when we have fear and anxiety in our prayer, what is that indicating? It's indicating that we need to have a deeper depth in our experiential understanding and relationship with who Jesus is. That's what we're needing. We need to know God more. And this is where I see people, you know, if you use prayer like a spiritual 911, when you're only going to him in your time of need, then you wonder, why doesn't he answer? Why doesn't he this? Well, you would actually have a lot of those answers figured out if you knew him. Because you look all throughout scripture and you'll find again and again, he desires to show you his heart. He wants to share that with you. He's looking for intimacy. That's incredible that God would want intimacy with us. Sometimes with some of the things that I've learned about myself, I don't know that I would want intimacy with me. Isn't it true? Isn't that, not about me, say it for yourself, okay? Isn't it true? Someone's amen, and I wouldn't want to know you either. Just kidding. But, but that's the way it works, right? John 17, you know, uh, people often wonder, I mean, uh, last week I alluded to Jesus praying for us. Chris has talked about, you know, Romans 8 at the prayer summit. The Spirit intercedes for us. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it? To think about God praying for us. But do you ever wonder, what are you praying I've asked that question many times uh, in my journaling. What are you praying for me right now? And often I get a sense, but wouldn't it be even better to be able to see it in the Bible, right? To be able to actually see a prayer that Jesus is praying for us. Well, if you were wondering or hoping for that, we have such thing in John 17. Uh, Verses 1 through 26 is an intercept, Jesus interceding with what begins with for his disciples. He's just about to get crucified and leave them. But then it expands. It's not just this little nucleus of people. It expands into all of those that will believe and follow after them. Guess who's included in that? All of us right? It's a wonderful thing. Actually, during the week, I think I read it at least a dozen times, maybe more, um, but I also had Alexa read it to me, so I wanted to hear it. Something about that, it's different. <laughs> it's weird, right? Don't judge me. <laughs> Don't judge me. Don't even start. <laughs> Some of you are judging me because I'm not wearing socks. I am. There are no shows. I am wearing socks. Okay, anyways, on to Alexa. So Alexa's reading it. <laughs> okay, reset. Got to drink some coffee. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know why Chris doesn't drink coffee up here. Anyways, uh, back onto Alexa's reading me this prayer. I had Alexa read it twice. And, and it's amazing. Sometimes, you know, you read it and it's good. But then when you have it read out loud to you, and I didn't have someone else there to do it. That's why I had a mechanical voice do it. But when I had it read to me, I, oh, I wept. I wept as the Lord was praying for me. It was his prayer for me and for all of us and and his desires. I mean, it starts here, and this is eternal life. I wish we had time to go through the whole passage, but we don't. This is eternal life that they may, what? Know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I think he repeats this in different words uh, five or six more times in 26 verses. And it's not that that's the only thing he's praying for. He's praying for protection, that we would not fall away for protection uh, from the enemy and that sort of thing, warfare. Uh, but he's praying that we would have oneness, the same kind of oneness. He wants the same kind of intimacy with us that the Father and the Son shared. Is that not incredible? 
We look at, so that's his like, that's the prayer we have recorded that he's praying for all of us. And what is he praying? He's praying, oh, again and again, oh, Father, let them have oneness with you and oneness with each other, the same kind that we share. Because he knew that that would give us a platform to stand on, that we would be able to endure anything that this world had to offer if we had that one thing. And you know what I love about that? We want to pray in line with his purposes. That means right there, right now, I've just said one purpose that Jesus has for all of us is oneness, that we would have oneness with each other and oneness with him. That's a primary purpose. So if you want to guarantee get some kind of answer this month in the month of prayer and fasting, start praying for this. Lord, I want to know you more. The heart that, that desires that and prays that will guaranteed find the answer they're longing for. I want to know you more. I can't give you all the timing and what it'll look like. There's sometimes things he's got to work out and fears and anxiety and all that stuff. I get it. I'm not saying it's always a, a quick answer to a quick prayer, but if we persist in this, that's what we're looking for. 26 verses on that. So Psalm 37, 3 to 5. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will act. You know the thing about that is if you get the primary purpose right, so if it's about knowing God and then now you begin to pray and, you, and, and as you get to know him, you know what he does? He reveals to you who you really are. You get to know who you, who you were created to be. Your true self you get to know. And as you get to know your true self, what you'll find is, because you sometimes worry about that, the desires of my heart. Well, I prayed for this or I prayed for that and I didn't get it. Well, he's not necessarily always going to give you everything you want. Because sometimes the things you want aren't good for you. And Pastor Ray's done some great messages and he has awesome material on why God doesn't answer prayer. That's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about how to make prayer effective. Uh, But there are reasons. If I'm asking for something, just to give my kids, I love giving them things, but if they ask me for something that would harm them, I say no. But that's the thing. They know me and they know my intention for them. And that's why it's so important that we get to know him. And the other thing is, as we get to know him, what you're going to find is your heart and his heart are going to align anyways. Because the more you know him, the more you will love him. And the more you love him, the more you want to be like him. And the more you'll long to be with him. And then your desires, what you're praying for is going to shift. And so on and so forth. John 15, 7 and 9. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. (laughs) It's a very matter of fact language, isn't it? Ask whatever you wish. If you abide. There is an if. If you abide. Right? That's a loving, a loving relationship that's also defined by obedience. But if you abide, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So, as we go into the rest of this message on effective prayer, I thought I would stop again. I want to pray again, because maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what? I actually, my prayer has veered off of the primary focus. This is the plumb line. This is the plumb line that's going to keep all your prayers moving in the right direction because I'm doing it, Jesus, in my request, I want to know you more. In my request, not my will be done, but your will be done. Who, who prayed that? Jesus prayed that. He modeled that, not my will, but your will, right? But he could still ask. That's our prayer, to know God, to align ourselves with his purposes. So I want to pray. If you're, if you're wanting to pray with me, just pray in your hearts, but I'll pray out loud. Lord, as we approach the rest of this message on prayer, We just want to tell you all of the requests that we have for this month and this year, we're we're putting a new request on top, and that is we want to know you more. In everything that we are asking for you to do, in every area we are warring because we're facing impossible circumstances, in in every person that we're interceding for, our desire in this above all is to know you more. 
Would you, by your grace, would you give us the answer to that prayer? That you would awaken something in us, and that you would draw our hearts into your heart, that you would align our, our desires and our prayers with your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ooh. Don't you love praying prayers that you're going to get answered? I love that. All right, five components of prayer. Let's talk about that now. Um, this is the five components of effective prayer. I, I didn't have the five components because there's probably more, but I wanted to look at five components. If you would, if you would make sure that these five components were in your prayer life, um, I think your prayer life will begin to come alive. And if you're missing them, you might see something in here, maybe while your prayer life is suffering. So I think there's multiple reasons we don't pray. And we've covered a lot of those before. Pride is one. You don't need God. Well, that's common in the West, sure. Um, but I don't even know that that's the biggest reason we don't pray in our church. I think, I think this church, I think one of the things we have is we understand we do need God. I think that's one of the reasons why God's been able to do something here is because we actually say, yes, Lord, we need you, we want you. But there's other reasons like fear. And fear, there's, it's, it's not what you necessarily think. We're not necessarily afraid of prayer. I think sometimes we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of failure. I'm afraid that if I ask him for something and he doesn't give it to me, that I'm going to once again just be proven inside that I'm not worthy, that I'm not worth it, that I'm not valuable. I think that's a big one for many others. I'm not going to spend time on that today other than to say primary purpose of prayer is to get to know God. And when you have fears like that, what does that betray? You need to know him more. I'm not saying you don't know him at all, and I'm definitely not saying you don't love him. I would never question someone who said that to me. If you say you love him, I believe that. But that doesn't mean just because you love him that you have a depth of intimacy with him. That doesn't mean that. Just like in a marriage, you can love someone and have no idea how to connect on a, on a way that's experiential and healthy, right? In that same way. So there's that fear. There's also unbelief, clearly. But I think there's a, another reason that we don't pray. And I think that one has to do more with not knowing how to pray. So you can have, you know, we go into a month of prayer and fasting. I can say, uh, let's give you categories. Just checking my time. Um, marriage, family, uh, kids, uh, finances, um, personal uh, sin, character, um, uh, lost family members, <laughs> right? Conflict. And by now you're like, oh, slow down. I think I have like 12 things. You got to slow down here. As I'm writing it down, you're looking at the list suddenly and you're like, oh, what am I going to do with this? Like, this is impossible. How do I fix all of this? I don't know how to fix. And then we say pray. And then you say, okay, sure, I'll pray. And then like, pray what? And how do I approach this? And we're so overwhelmed and we don't want to get it wrong because we're in this kind of performance-based culture and I just, I want to pray right. I want to pray the right thing and basically all that comes out of our mouth is help, Lord, help. That's my prayer. Not a bad prayer. That's all you have to pray. Start there. Keep praying it. But that's all we have because we're not totally sure how to approach it. And we get some verses in our head. There's some verse somewhere. It's 1 John 4, uh, 5, 14. Uh, that if we pray in accordance with his will, we can be sure of an answer. And those verses completely trip us up. Right? Because I don't know his will. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't even know how to approach this. I'm, I'm terrified and so on and so forth. So we don't pray. And I think that's why a lot of people avoid it. So let's look at five components that are going to help you get past that. So you can look. These are five things. Just go through the list. These are five things you can do to enhance your prayer life. So if you are an intercessor here that has no problem going into prayer for an hour, these are still going to be good for you to review. <laughs> but you're already past needing the steps, and that's okay. 
These steps are for people like myself that are growing in prayer and so on and so forth. So I hope they're, they're a blessing for you. And the first one is easy. Very easy. Ask. Ask is the very first step. This is the first component of a healthy prayer life, is simply asking. And it surprises me how often people miss this very simple and what looks like an obvious step, which is the simple ask. Right? Oh, I don't know what God wants. I don't know what he's doing in the situation that I'm in. Oh, okay. Like, well, have you, have you asked him? No. It's staggering to me how many times I've got that response. I don't know what God wants me to do we believe in listening prayer, but when it's, have you asked him? No, I have not asked. Have you asked him to change anything? No, maybe other than Lord help. You know the 911, the SOS prayer? We do the SOS prayer, but I haven't gone really beyond that. And that's not a bad prayer. I don't believe there is a bad prayer. Especially when your plumb line is to get to know God and to align yourself with his purposes. I don't think there is bad prayer. I think there's inconsistent prayer or there is prayer that is more powerful, but I don't think there's bad prayer if, if it's from a heart that wants to know God. But asking, so asking is very important. Years ago, Chris said when he was leading young adults, um, he had made a comment and he said, something I've learned about prayer and healing. More people get healed when you pray than when you don't. <laughs> Isn't that a great statement? More people get healed when you pray than when you don't. It's a, that's a 100% accurate statement, and that is exactly what we've seen here at our church. More people get prayed when we pray than when we don't. Doesn't mean everyone gets healed, not in this lifetime. But more people do when you pray than when you don't, and that's very important that we get that. James 4, 2 to 3, well, actually, it's just uh, 3. You do not have because you do not ask. So that's 2. You do not have because you do not ask. And then three is you ask and do not receive because you ask to satisfy your own desires, to please yourself, which we're not going to, we could spend a whole message on that, but we're not, we talked about repentance last week. This week, it's all about aligning with his purposes. And I like that. So the biggest reason that people don't see answered prayers is that they aren't praying. Did you hear that, church? The biggest reason we don't see answered prayer is because we don't pray. Last year, Pastor Ray challenged us right about this time, actually. Um, that he was doing this prayer journal. So I did a prayer journal. And he had 500 answers to prayer, something like that. And so I was inspired by that. So I was like, gangbusters, I'm going for it. Month and a half in, completely dropped. Completely dropped, I'll be honest. Month and a half, that was my staying power. <laughs> I needed the Holy Spirit or something. Need a reminder in my phone, I look at that thing enough. Um, but anyways... <laughs> Anyways, I started this month and a half in. Now we got to the beginning of December, and I started looking at that, that list that I had written down. And I started uh, checking off things that were answered on there from that first month and a half. And I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot, thing, a lot of things answered. So I started trying to recall all of the things I knew I'd been praying for. I, thankfully, we have a chat, too, that my I1s, and I kind of write prayer requests on there. So I was looking through that and looking through those kind of requests. What are all the things we have been praying for? And I started filling in the, the gaps. And I've, I probably filled in maybe six months-ish of, of gaps. Got about 115 requests. That's not a lot. There was a lot more prayed last year than 115 things. But these were 115 things that were big. These are not like, Lord, help me get up in the morning and put on my pants. <laughs> Which if for some of you is a very good prayer. Uh, actually, it is for myself too in my house. Uh, but it's not something I need the Lord to do in my life. <laughs> my wife's sitting there, amen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, Lord, maybe I should pray that. She's my I1 leader. Maybe she'll add that on the, on the list. Anyways, the point is, 
we're not talking about prayers like that, although prayers like that are not bad. There is no bad prayer if your heart is to know God. But we're talking about big prayers, things that I didn't know what I'm going to do. Big challenges that I was facing, and out of 115, and feeling like I had really just kind of been loose on my commitment to it, which I was, 100 answered prayers last year of big things, things that I couldn't have done on my own. That he in his faithfulness, even when I was faithless, he remained faithful, for he cannot deny himself, says in scripture. And that was beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Ask. But you know what? You don't, if you don't ask for prayer, if you don't pray, you're not going to see answers to prayer. This year, now after yesterday, I was, I'm at 16 answered prayers. Not that I'm counting. Um, <laughs> a little bit competing with my dad and brother there, just putting out there. I don't know how many you guys have gotten. 16, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Apple of his eye, sorry. <laughs> 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 Anyhow, they don't have a mic, so they can't say how many they've had. So, so far, for all of you, I'm winning. Because uh, <laughs> that's what prayer was about. The primary purpose of prayer is to win. Wait, it's not about that. Okay, back to my message. Uh, John 14, 13 to 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So this is, this is his heart for us. He wants to do it. Uh, just a quick thing. It's not just asking whatever you want about anything. Again, if it's not, if it's not good for you, he's not going to give you something that's not good for you that's going to hurt you. Um, and it's not just about tacking on Jesus' name. Remember the sons of Sceva? They, tried to, they looked at what Paul was doing, and he was using the, son, the name of Jesus to set people free. They tried to do deliverance as well. And, and the demons responded and said, Jesus, I know, Paul, we recognize. But who are you? And so we find that tacking on the name of Jesus isn't actually just about saying in the name of Jesus. It's about who you know, not what words you can say. It's about who you know. The primary purpose is to know God. If that's what you're doing, then you are known. If you are known by God, if you are known to him, then the enemy also, you will be known to him as well. So that's ask. Second one, second one here, let's move on to is listen. Asking is very important. You have not because you ask not, but listening. Listening is critical. And there's two main reasons I want to cover here. And the first one is to grow intimacy with God. Relationship requires two-way communication. So we are told, Abraham, Moses, disciples, and even us, we were invited into, you are my friends if you do what I command, uh, we were all invited into a friendship relationship with God. That's the kind of relationship that he invites all of us into. Friendship. We're also told that he's our father, we're his son, daughters, and so on and so forth. That is what he wants, relationship with us. Think about that. But you cannot have good relationship without communication. You show me a marriage that is suffering, and I will show you a marriage that needs to grow in communication. I am not saying that that's the only thing they have to grow in. I'm sure there's a whole host of other things and baggage that they need to work on as well. But I will also add on to whatever else they have, they also need to grow in communication. Communication is critical. How you communicate. How you communicate what bothers you and how you communicate your desires and what you want. And it needs to be two-way. It's not just one way. It's two-way. And in the same way, if you want depth of relationship, if you want intimacy and a good relationship, you need two-way communication. So for that reason alone, um, that is that one reason we need to listen. You need to be listening to God regularly and talking back and forth. It needs to go both ways for you to grow that intimacy that he desires for you. And last week, I had mentioned uh, the idea of full surrender. Remember that? Talked about giving everything, being fully devoted to Jesus Christ. I stand by that. That, is, that should be the desire of all of us, that we hold nothing back, 
But I know there's a select group of people that feel worried when we say things like that. Oh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can do that. Well, I'll tell you something. Then change, like, if your purpose was to know him, if you would get to know him more, we would understand the same thing that Paul understood. See, Paul could say, I counted all as rubbish. I just counted all as loss. It's all rubbish to me for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, knowing we're back down to relationship, knowing him. And so if you don't have the knowing part right, it's always going to be terrifying to surrender. Now, with that, I know there's always a bit of a chicken in the egg because <laughs> to know him, you actually have to surrender to him. So there's this process that you're going to be in, right? But wherever you say no and, and say, no, I'm not going to give that up, you've stopped that process. Not only that, you've actually turned yourself around in the process. So that's an important thing to understand. Second thing, uh, just for sake of time, I'm going to skip something here. That's all good. Is to know his will for you in what you're praying for. That's a very, very important consideration. We need to know his will and what we're praying for. Now, again, 1 John 5.14, and this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Matthew 6.10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't get hung up on this. Well, I don't know if it's his will. Let me, I'll, I'll give you a secret here to getting your prayer life to start. If you get the plumb line right, I am, I'm wanting to know you and align myself with your purposes, but I'm unsure what those purposes are. Don't take that conclusion as, well, then I won't pray until I know. What you do in those circumstances is you pray what's already on your heart. And you keep praying it. Don't stop. Keep praying it. Well, I'm not sure if that's what God wants. Keep praying it. He loves you. It's on him. If, you're, if your heart is willing and you want to know him more, it's on him, not you, if you're praying to begin to change that heart desire or to reveal his purposes. We're just human beings. You can't, you can't just come up with God's purposes in your life. So then you start praying, and you start praying what you think is the right thing, what you want to see, but then being open, you're still listening, you're asking and you're listening, Lord, is there anything you want me to change? No, I'm gonna keep praying that then, I'm just gonna keep praying, Lord, until you say no, or you say pray this instead, or you answer it, I'm just gonna keep praying. Make sense? So that's what we do, okay? So that's the first one and the second one, to know God and what we're praying for. Um, just on that listening one, I remember, I'll uh, condense my story here, but years ago, the first time I we went to Uganda, I went there, I was jet lagged, it's eight hour time difference, and you minister, it's long days. And you're ministering, so it's long days, and we're getting to day four, and I'm tired. And I woke up and I felt drugged, and I would know with my history what that feels like. Some of you don't know my history. Come to the set for you, you'll hear about it. I don't do drugs anymore. But I know what it's like. I literally felt like I was on something. I'm like, wow, like I could hardly function and think. So what did I want to do? I wanted to go on the elliptical. Why? Because I figured if I just go and exercise a bit, get the blood flowing, get the oxygen kind of moving in, I can wake up, right? I can wake up and I can go minister. But I knew something, or thought I did. I knew God doesn't want me to exercise. I mean, if you're ministering, especially in ministry, James chapter six, some of you know where I'm going with that. Uh, I use that in my house too for anything that I want my kids to do. James six says, because it's not a real chapter, James six says, especially when you're doing ministry, you have to spend a certain amount of time in prayer and in journaling, sitting quietly before you minister or God can't use you. I hope you're catching the joke there. Some of you are looking for James six in your Bibles. You can stop, it goes to five. James six doesn't exist, that's legalism. But that is what I felt. That was my picture of God at that point, right? I knew what I felt like I needed, but I, I thought I knew what he would actually want. 
Isn't it funny that he would need me to spend time sitting, journaling and reading, the, and reading my word? He would need me to do that in order for him to use me? Is it me doing the ministry or is it his Holy Spirit doing the ministry? <laughs> yeah, I still have things to learn. I still am learning. I still don't have this right. Anyways, finally, I, now you might say, well, did you follow your own advice here? Did you ask him what he thought? Did you listen? No, I was terrified. Literally terrified because I knew, I knew what he would say. Clearly, he's not going to let me do what I feel like I need. He's going to ask me to do what I don't want to do, what I feel like I should be doing, right? So I didn't ask. I didn't listen. I just went downstairs to the elliptical. I compromised, but I figured I'll bring my phone with me. I have my U version, my OneNote, and I will just read my Bible and I'll pray while I'm on the elliptical. Compromise. First off, why is that a compromise? Anyways, that's a whole other message. It's not a compromise, but that's what I'm feeling because I'm not asking and listening. How do you know what he's going to say if you don't listen? You don't know. You ought, you ought to ask. You're not, well, I don't know his will. I don't know what he wants. So then ask him and listen. Anyways, so I get on the elliptical and I figured I was going to do this exercise. He had given me three questions at the time that I was supposed to ask as I was deepening my relationship with him. So he had given me three questions to do that. First one is, Jesus, where are you in relationship to me? Based on the verse, I'm with you always. Right? So he says he'll never leave you nor forsake me. So I would ask him, where is he? Well, when I'm at home, I sit at my table and he's often to my right. When I'm having a really stressful day, and he's often standing behind me with his hand on my shoulder and he's praying for me. And that's, that's a very, you might say, oh, that's silly. Well, silly draws me near to him and it makes my heart come alive and it makes me come alive and it gives me confidence to do the things that he's asking me to do. Anyways, I asked him where he was in relationship to me right then. And I got a picture immediately, because I'm on this elliptical, right? So imagine me there. I'm going, right? And I get this picture of my feet and his feet. They're on the same pedals. And I thought to myself, well, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? God, you knew this was important to me, and so you came down here with me. And it wasn't even, like, I couldn't have even gotten another thought out of my mind. It was just... And immediately... I heard the Lord speak and he said, Stefan, I don't follow you anywhere. You follow me. And in that moment, my picture of who God was got an upgrade because I started to realize the things that I wanted to do, he actually wanted for me. And I just didn't go to him to discover the delight that he wanted to have in me. He built me to like that. He built me to need exercise. He built me to love exercise. And he loves it when I go on an exercise and I talk to him about my big numbers that I'm lifting and, and how much I enjoy it and I thank him for it. He loves that when I delight in the things that he created for me. You might say, I wish he would make me delight in exercise. <laughs> <laughs> he made us all different. You delight in something else. But it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that I live my life for exercise now. I live my life for him. But he doesn't just work me and work me and work me and work me like a slave driver. The more I get to know him, the more I find he's benevolent and kind and generous, and he actually wants what is best for me, and what is best for me is actually the things I want. So anyways, my picture got upgraded. You have to listen to get that upgrade, though. So we'll move on to the next one, trust. Trust is critical. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Uh, clear distinction here. I actually think that first one, we must believe that he exists, that's easy. That's easy. Look at creation. Look at creation. It is totally rational and logical to believe that such a masterpiece had someone that painted it. Like that is, that's not hard for me to believe at all. That second part, though, is 
Do we really believe that he rewards those who seek him? You see, that second part isn't just about a rational belief. It requires experience. It requires an experience. Trust. That's what it requires. Trust. And how do you grow trust? It starts with a choice to believe. You have to believe what you're hearing and believe that he is who he says he was. You choose to believe, and then you step out in faith. And as you do that, we begin to experience God moving. As we experience God moving, our faith is strengthened as we get to know him. As we get to know him more, this is when we learn to trust him. And when we learn to trust him with everything, that is when our prayer life comes alive and we are truly usable for the kingdom. And that's an important thing. A definition I've liked differentiating between faith and trust. Faith is a strong belief in someone or something without logical proof. <laughs> right? And that's why, that's a hard one to actually have. Faith can be hard to have, which is why Jesus puts the, the standard, the bar for how much you need of it, <laughs> right down here. Mustard size faith. Right? Because that's hard to do. It's hard to have strong belief in something that has no logical proof, right? Like it's hard to under, like how do I know? How do I know? It's very hard to step out when you have no knowing or proof. That's why he requires very little of that. But when you step out in faith again and again, you know what you end up growing? The next one, trust. Trust is a firm reliance on the character or integrity of another. And that is relational in nature. And that grows as you get to know God, as you learn to trust him in the same way that I trust my family and I trust my friends when they say they're going to be with me, like that young lady, when they say I'm going to be with you when you're struggling, you know they're going to be with you because they've always been with you. It no longer requires faith. You're actually into trust. Trust, it's relational. You've built something and now it's hard to move you. You actually have something now that you can stand on even when the whole world begins to fall apart around you. That's trust. So you start with belief and then you step out in faith and that will grow into trust. When you look at men and women of God, people that are doing big things for him or great things for him, even the small things, but you see them moving out and stepping out in faith, I will show you someone who has learned to trust him. But they do that, it doesn't just come overnight, it comes through experience. All right, Mark 9, 22 to 24, I love this. Where do we start? Start with this prayer. If you feel like you don't have a trust relationship with God yet, start here. I believe. So when you get to that trust step in your prayer life, you say, I believe but help me with my unbelief. Isn't that an honest prayer? I believe, help me with my unbelief, <laughs> right? The declaration, I do, I do, I do, I do believe, but I really don't. So please help. He loves answering prayers like that, okay? Mark 9, or Matthew 9, we have uh, Jesus seeing the blind men, and the blind man, he sees them, and, uh, and he says, do you believe that I'm able to do this for you? And they said, what? Yes, Lord. Fourth line there. I'm jumping ahead because of time. Uh, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done for you. And their eyes were what? Opened. They got healed. Their only form of demonstrable faith was to come to Jesus, to ask and to listen and to step out in faith to choose to believe. Okay? So they weren't at trust level yet. They didn't know him, uh, but they knew enough that they could make those little steps. So that's the level where it all begins. Can you ask? Can you listen? Can you trust? Can you just step out and say, I believe, even if I have to say, but help me with my unbelief? And then uh, can, can we uh, go to the next one, which is actually obey, right? So the next one here is obey. Obedience is important. Years ago, Pastor Ray said prayer isn't everything, but everything should come out of prayer. And that is an absolutely, that's a great foundational balancing statement. 
We need to understand that. But it isn't everything, but everything comes out of prayer. Uh, but prayer is relational. That's why everything is, it's relational. We get to know God and prayer moves things and we intercede and we war for the things that are on God's heart and that are on our heart. Absolutely, yes. But then there's times when we have to have action. I'm praying for my marriage to get better and I get the thought, you should get, uh, read this marriage book or go see a counselor. And you say, no, 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 I'm praying for that. See how that works, right? You couple your prayer with obedience. Now, many times you'll listen for a step of obedience, and you know what he'll say? Nothing. Keep praying. Then that's your step of obedience. Keep praying. There's always going to be a step, whether the step is to persist in prayer or to wait on the Lord or to actually physically go and do something, right? Obedience should always be coupled with effective prayer. Always. It's always part of that. Um, so I'll give you three areas to look at with the obedience, and then we'll move on to the, uh, into the final point. Past, present, future. So in the past, we are, I mean, how do you obey in the past? In the past, you're cleaning up disobedience. It's confession of sin, right? So if you have people you need to forgive, if you're standing by the altar and you realize someone has something against you, leave your gift there beside the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Jesus said that in Matthew 5. Okay, so we do that. We confess our sins. Nothing hinders prayer more than unconfessed sin. When there's sin in the camp, unrepentant sin, nothing will hinder your prayer life more than that. Okay, so deal with your sin. Therefore, confess your sins that you may be healed. Present. Uh, C.S. Lewis actually said confession is like the threshold of prayer, meaning we do it at the beginning. Present, the biggest question you have to ask yourself here, now do you have to come up with a step? No, that's his job. His job is to come up with steps. Your job is to be willing to do whatever he asks. Willing. Am I willing? There's hardly a question more critical than that as you approach prayer. Am I willing? If you're willing, guess what? He will give you his Holy Spirit. Think about that. He will give you his Holy Spirit to empower you to whatever end he is asking you to step out in faith and do. Your part isn't to figure it all out and do the hard thing and to die. He'll give you his Holy Spirit to help you that. Your part, though, is to surrender to that and not get in the way. So can you say yes and be willing? And, and lastly, future, which leads me to my final point here. Future is keep on asking, seeking, knocking. Don't stop asking in prayer until he tells you to stop. Until he tells you to stop, changes your requests or answers it, we continue to go, and that leads me to my last one, which is pray and pray persistently. The last component of effective prayer is prayer. It's simply prayer. I think sometimes I've been a champion at the first four. Maybe not a champion. I'm sure there's others that do it just as well. But you look through my journals, my journals are riddled with steps one through four. But my, I don't know if it's a personality or a character weakness or whatever it is, but when it comes down to persistent prayer, you know, I get all those steps, I do what I'm supposed to do, and I pray at the one time, and it's usually the persistent prayer where I begin to lag and fall off the, uh, fall off the map. That's what happened with my 100 answered prayers, right? I started off strong and didn't persist. And so I want to encourage you and myself that we all commit to this last one as well to see effective prayer. We pray and we pray persistently. Peter Wagner wrote this, we must understand that our sovereign God has for his own reasons so designed that the, this world, that much of what is truly his will, he makes contingent on the attitudes and actions of human beings. He allows humans to make decisions that can influence history. Human inaction does not nullify the atonement, but human inaction can make the atonement ineffective for lost people. Right? There's inaction. We, we have a part to play. There's a partnership. He wants us to partner with him and to pray. Now, you might say, if God is sovereign, uh, keys, keys. Yeah, yeah. 
If God is sovereign, is he not just going to do what he's going to do? Like, won't he just do it? That's what we think. I mean, there's, and there's a side, there's certain big things that he is going to do, whether we ask him to or not, because he's faithful. But there's many other things that he is waiting for his people to respond to him in obedience and to pray. Elijah was one such example of this in 1 Kings 17 and 18. Right? The Lord told him, I'm going to send a drought and a famine. And then he gave Elijah, so you see the listing of prayer, you see all the steps actually going along there. And the Lord said, I'm going to send a drought and a famine, but you go to this brook and I'm going to feed you with ravens. I'm going to keep you alive. But I'm going to send this. And Elijah prayed and James says, the heavens were shut up for three years and six months. And then the Lord said in, verse, in, in chapter 18, in 1 Kings 18, the Lord said, and only at my word, now I'm going to send rain. But he made it very clear. The rain is going to come. So he gave him a promise. The rain is going to come. But it will only come at the word of the Lord. So you might say, well, if God has promised, he said he's going to do it, then what part do we have to play? I mean, he was going to do it anyways. But he didn't. He didn't. Elijah had to go out by the, by the shoreline and he had to pray and not just pray. He had to put his whole body into it. And he prayed earnestly and persistently. And when he said to his servant, is the rain coming? Are you seeing the clouds coming? His servant came back and said, I don't see anything. He didn't doubt. He went back into prayer. He continued to pray and to pray persistently until the rain came. That is the partnership that God wants all of us to have with him. If we're willing to ask and listen, and we're willing to step out and trust and obey, and then to pray persistently, he wants to partner with us to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven.